Hello and welcome to the SVK Betting Podcast. There is no Jeff Stafford again this week and super sub Adam Bayliss isn't with us either. So unfortunately, you're going to have to put up with me hosting this week's show. My name is Tom Collins and as ever, I'm joined by the brilliant Ross Miller. Christmas and more importantly for punters, Boxing Day have been and gone. Uh, before we get into last week's selections, how they got on and then move on to this week's uh, racing. Ross, how's your Christmas? It was good, thanks, uh, TC. Yeah, lots of uh, lots of cake, lots of drink, lots of food, no relatives, so that was quite nice, nice and nice and quiet until Christmas. And uh, I managed to sort of commandeer the TV remote at about the right time on Boxing Day, which is always my my sort of Christmas worry. Uh, got the TV remote, got control, made all never look back. Yeah, it's always a tussle between racing on Boxing Day and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang on ITV. There are other. Uh, terrestrial channels on offer but um yeah i was also lucky enough to get the racing on on boxing day you had a very good boxing day as well with hewick winning the king george you put him up at 20 to 1 in the podcast prior to the christmas period and um your next best on the saturday before christmas triple trade also went in at nine to four so very well done for both of those i put up shishkin in the king george so i wasn't so happy about that boxing day result but I tipped Ile Francais in the Corto star and also Crambo in the long walk before Christmas. So a couple of other nice winners there for the regular listeners. Let's talk about the King George briefly then, Ross. Shishkin would have won, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, I, I was with you on Shishkin. Hewitt was sort of my, my cover. Um, yeah, just absolutely gutted. I was saying before I started recording, I was, I was sat at the dinner table on the 27th and was obviously looking a bit glum. And Em's my wife said, you're right. And I said... Yeah, I was just thinking about Shishkin. I was really disappointed. I'm such a huge fan of the horse. I thought he got a brilliant ride. Um, he was going to win. He was, you know, he's proved to entry he stays. The two behind him, I think the suspect stayers, he, he would have definitely won it. Uh, it was just one of those cruel quirks of, of racing fate that saw him come down. Um, but he's 12 to 1 for the Gold Cup, so all is not lost. We can, we can recoup the losses uh, at uh, Cheltenham in March. I think he's got outstanding credentials for that. The start is in the right place. So he's going he's gonna to jump off and get into the race. And um, yeah, I think he still remains uh, the most talented horse playing Constitution Hill on, on these shores for certain. And for some reason, uh, racing don't seem to get behind him, which uh, just makes me like him all the more, to be honest. Yeah, I don't disagree with anything you said there. Um, people were labelling him as, as a rogue or not into the game, but he jumped off perfectly fine. Uh, I know the whole furore before the race was about how he might not <clears throat> jump off and how he might refuse again. But there was never a doubt about that. He jumped off. Nico gave him a great ride, as you've already touched on there, niggling away for a long part of the race just to keep his enthusiasm up. He jumped perfectly. And even after he slipped, which, by the way, is about a one in a million chance the horse is going to do that. The, uh, the jump prior to that was ace. Like He was moving further away from Alahome Braveman's game at the time. And I know that Hewitt finished his race off well. He's a horse with loads of stamina. I agree with you. I think Shishkin definitely would have won. Um, it's also worth briefly mentioning Ile Francais' romp. What a phenomenal jumper of a fence. He was the star performer on Boxing Day for many, including myself. I loved how he travelled, pinged the obstacles, went away again in the straight when briefly challenged. He's just a proper horse. Um, the Grand Steep was given by Noel George in a uh, post-race interview as the main target. Do you think that's the right option? Yeah, I, uh, whether it's the right option or not, TC, it, I, I'm not sure. I think it's the very likely option because there, there was a lot of clamour in France for this horse not to get sold out of France. So he's still half-owned by uh, the breeder along with uh, the Calvin Hughes and there'll be a huge uh, push for him to stay in France and, and win the French Gold Cup. But yeah, I mean, he, he was absolutely magnificent and a, and a magnificent ride by James Reevely as well. So uh, 
uh, my one concern about him would be he seems much better when he's letting fly, lands a long way out from the back of the fence. We've seen before some of those downhill fences at Cheltenham can just catch horses out if they don't get the landing gear down quick enough. So maybe another year and just another year to sort of finesse his art of jumping and perhaps go to the UK a couple more times, get used to UK fences before going to Cheltenham might not be the bad idea either. No, I agree with that as well. He got in tight to one of them. I think he was pretty clever in popping over. Uh, but when he took off miles in advance of the fence, he just soared. He was fantastic. Um, okay, on to this weekend's action. We're going to preview the Grade 1 cello hurdle at Newbury. The unbeaten will mount for trainer Nicky Henderson is currently the well-backed 5-4 to four anti-post market leader. But there are plenty of unexposed types in the race. Talk us through the field and your selection, please, Ross. I think it's a really competitive race. I'm a big fan of will mount. I'm not a massive fan of his price, I have to say. I mean, I think there's he's sort of priced up as if this is a bit of a gimme, and I don't think it is. I think there's some really talented horses in there. But his point-to-point form was really strong. He came with a big reputation. He won pulling a cart twice for Neil Mulholland in bumpers, where each time he looked like the further he went, the better he went. Um, then switched to Nicky Henderson, which, no disrespect to Neil Mulholland, is a, is a massive upgrade for any horse going into its novice hurdling campaign. Um won at Newbury in really nice fashion. Didn't just tank through the race on the bridle. Nico shoved him along sort of in the halfway up the home straight, but he stretched clear. Nico, I think, then had a look behind his shoulder, didn't realise quite how far clear he was and, and cantered home. Looks to me like this step up in trip will suit him for all that he doesn't lack gears. So I think there's very little to not like other than the price. So I've got to be with him, particularly when his perhaps biggest danger is a horse that I've struggled to warm to in Captain Teague. I didn't like his jumping at... Chepstow I thought he looked pretty slow at Cheltenham when beaten and and that was over two mile five on a stiffer track and he's technically dropping back a little bit in trip so I'm not certain that's going to suit him um so I could be against him just one that I liked it another thing I'd say as well is an interview with Paul Nichols over over Christmas probably Christmas uh Boxing Day he said that he didn't think there was much between his two runners here the other one being Farno well there's there's quite a big difference in the price so if you were going to go with a Nichols runner, the argument is if there's not much between them, go with Farnoby's about 10 to 1 versus Captain Tegu's in at second favourite. But just one I like at a big price um, is the jukebox man for, for Ben Pauling. Um, he's won three pretty moderate races at Foss Last, but he's won them in nice style on testing ground, one bumper and a, a maiden hurdle and a novice hurdle, each time barely coming off the bridle. The, the opposition are perhaps not up to all that much. But he's only been beaten once in his life, and that's by a horse that Harry Fry is called Gidley Park in a Chepstow bumper. Gidley Park is a proper, proper, proper horse. Um, so I just thought the market might just have underestimated him because he's had his form on soft and heavy ground around uh, Foss Lass. Foss Lass is not that dissimilar to Newbury in terms of, of track topography. Um, and I fell into the trap was when we discussed the, the um, Corto star of saying that L.A. Francais might not like the better ground. There was no evidence for that because he hadn't run on it. And, and it's a mistake I'm not going to make in 2024. And I don't want to make it here. The jukebox man might well be a horse that's better on heavy ground. But he was taken out on heavy ground at Chepstow by Ben Pauling. So that tells you they don't necessarily think it's a prerequisite for him. So I thought around about 12 to 1 in a competitive race, he was a nice each way angle as well. Yeah, just to go over your two selections there, Will Mount, 5-4, to four, the most logical winner for yourself, and Jukebox Man, I think he's 12-1, to one, but there are um, he's drifting currently and there is 16-1 available, so you could get an even bigger price on the day, or at least in the, the day before, on Friday, if you're looking at the race 
then. Um, I respect Wilmount. I completely agree with your assessment of him. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he won the race, but I'm going to go and chance Captain Teague, <clears throat> a horse that you didn't have much love for there in your preview, but he's a slightly bigger prize. Paul Nichols has won this race three times uh, in the last three years and five in total. Tends to target one of his best novices here. Um, I thought he ran perfectly well at Cheltenham. And actually on RPRs, he took a big step forward on his previous victory. Uh, he's a strong traveller. He jumps nicely. Maybe he's not the best horse. Maybe he's not a proper grade one animal. And if Wilmount is, he could probably dispose of him. But I think there is some value in Captain Teague's price, given there is more uh, room for manoeuvre there. And I think disparity between him and Wilmount at the moment is probably a little big. Uh, Wilmount largely, in my opinion, priced on potential rather than what he's shown on the track. But it's not a confident pick. Uh, Ross seems to have more confidence in his, his two than mine. Mine's just a logical play at a fair price. Right. Time for naps and next best. There isn't much racing this Saturday. Only the four meetings. So being precise and concise is the goal. You go first, Ross. Yeah, I normally have a list of horses that I want to sort of take a look at to find the nap and next best. And that was a very short list uh, this week. So the nap is in the one o'clock at Taunton. It's Paul Nichols trained Centara. Lorcan Williams gets the ride. Um, he caught my eye in winning a bumper last year at Taunton. Then went to Aintree and ran in a very good race and tanked through the entire race. And I thought was still doing pretty well to still be there turning in where he got hampered. And I think when he got hampered, all the air got knocked out of his lungs and he was actually pulled up in a, in a bumper, which is never a great thing. But he caught the eye with the way he went through the race. Then went to Newbury and finished fourth. Um, but he finished fourth behind a horse called Jericho de Reponet, who everyone on racing Twitter knows is faster than Pegasus. Um, and... Again, he was a bit too keen and he looked to get lost jumping the last at Newby. There's a huge wide open space to their left. and He sort of wandered all over the place. Harry Cobden sort of had to organise him. Once he did, he stayed on again, which I thought was quite surprising given how free he'd been through the race. Does step up to two mile three, but Taunton is a much sharper track and has a rail all the way round. I think he's going to take a lot of beating in this. And I think if he does, he could take a step forward and be an interesting horse following into the spring. And then my next best comes at Haydock in the 310, and it's uh, a John Drew O'Neill trained horse, Regal Blue, um, who ran a really interesting chase debut at Leicester. Looked thoroughly disinterested in the early part of the race, and his jumping was very moderate. Uh, Nick Schofield woke him up, jumped into the bridle, and he travelled really powerfully through the race. Then looked to get a little bit outpaced, turning up the hill at Leicester, and stayed on again in, in, in the closing stages in what was probably a pretty decent race for a, for a Leicester uh, chase. Stays over the same trip, gets heavy ground, which is, I think, a prerequisite for him. He was very good on heavy ground in his point-to-point -point win. Very good on heavy ground uh, when winning at uh, uh, Foss Lass. Um, not so good on better ground since. So the, the desperate ground at Haydock is really going to suit this horse. I loved how he jumped in the main at uh, Leicester once he warmed up. And I think Regal Blue will win the 3-10 at Haydock. Yes, thank you very much for those. Just to clarify, Ross's nap is Centara in the one o'clock at Taunton and his next best is Regal Blue in the 310 at Haydock. My nap this week is going to be a mare called Casa Nomento in the 210 at Taunton. Uh, it's a listed race for the mares over an extended two miles. Nigel Twiston-Davis and assistant and son, Willie Twiston-Davis, have said that this is the long-term target for this horse. She's a five-year-old. She was placed at listed level um, in a bumper last year, subsequently ran in a high grade and got stuffed. But this year, it's running two maiden hurdles, been super impressive on both occasions. She's going to get almost ideal conditions. Good ground, flat track at Taunton. Um, she's going to be fully revved up, whereas some of these, including Queen's Gamble, might have better and bigger targets further down the line. So Casanomento in the 210 at Taunton is my nap. And my next best is Walking on Air. 
in the 3.35 at Newbury. I put this gelding in my mental tracker after he finished fifth in the Potemps final at Cheltenham in March. Uh, subsequently went to Punchestown and things didn't go well for him. The reason he went into my tracker in the Potemps final was the race was run on soft ground. He wants good ground. And it was run over three miles. He wasn't really proven over the distance at the time. He's had some time off. He now goes chasing. <clears throat> there are two unknowns there. Whether he's going to be fit, whether he can jump. But I'm willing to take a chance on him in the 335 at Newbury. I think a mark of 138 looks perfectly fair on what this all showed over hurdles. And Nicky Henderson is great at getting horses to jump fences. So I'm trusting in him with walking on air in the 335. That's it for this week's show. Thank you, Ross, for all of your hard work and your selections. And thank you guys for tuning in as ever. This show will continue to provide plenty of winners in 2024. So make sure you subscribe down below so you don't miss out on any of our podcasts. Ross, before I give the SBK offer, what are your plans for New Year's? Quiet New Year. Always have been TC, but there's racing at Poe, which is my sort of local uh, grade one track. And I've been here three years and I'm yet to go and watch the racing. Been dragged around Poe Town Centre doing the sightseeing thing. So I'm putting my foot down a bit and we're going racing on New Year's Eve. Uh, that sounds phenomenal. Have a great time. Hopefully back a few winners there as well. I'm still in Saudi Arabia, as you can see. This is not a green screen. I am here in Riyadh, so I'll be here for the Saudi racing on New Year's. But uh, yeah, it should be a, a very good couple of days as we move from 2023 to 2024. And I hope you guys have a great New Year's as well. Before we head off, I have to mention the SBK offer. You get £30 in free bets when you sign up and place a £10 bet. P's and C's do apply. Head over to SBK for a load of new offers and promotions over this New Year's period. Have a great Saturday. Have a fantastic New Year's. 